One is the iconic campy horror featuring good old-fashioned Tim Curry. The other is an attempt at the same film, but, like, actually scary. They remade It. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of They Remade It. I'm your host, Stuart. And I'm your host, Jacob. And it was a dark and stormy night in which our two, er, er, you know, er, 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 erstwhile hosts, I think that's the word, uh, our, our two jackass hosts recorded their show. <laughs> that's a better term. And yeah, I you already described the weather where you are and definitely the weather where I am. We're not that far removed from each other, but... Yeah, it's, it's definitely been... dark and stormy. It's the perfect mood. So, like, if if you hear you know commotion, it's a combination of oh, there's thunder, and also because there's been a like the other day, I found a mild leak in my ceiling. So that if that, all of a sudden you hear me stumbling, I'm like, oh crap. Where's the leak? Are you recording right below the leak? Because that's no, a good no idea. Well, not right underneath it. No, but it's like you know, if it starts leaking through, I'm just gonna be like, just give me a moment. I'm gonna put a towel down at least. <laughs> I'm going to protect my floor. Or the, you know, the apartment company's floor. Oh, yeah, definitely. You live on the... Well, I don't know. How does that work? Because you live on, like, the top floor, right? Yeah. So if it so. leaks through, is that technically your problem? Because it's from the roof. It's not like it's from your plumbing. I don't well, know right, yeah. I mean, even still, even if it was my plumbing, I doubt it'd be my fault or anything. It's like, I just had, I just had to send a ticket into the company. Just be like, you know, this. there's some water in here. It's not leaking a whole bunch, but, you know. All right, right. God, I feel like I'm turning into a dad. It's just like my immediate first things to talk about is like all the stuff in that in my house and the weather. <laughs> I was right there. Yeah, I was there <laughs> with you. But but yeah, the weather is a mainstay that that we're apparently just two old men because every show we start off talking about the weather. Yeah, I mean it's a good <laughs> it's a it's a nice kind of overarching umbrella kind of thing to be able to bring ourselves into the conversation and then we kind of start getting into the nitty gritty as we start talking about our stupid tangents. <laughs> Exactly. And I mean, like you said, this time it fits because it's dark and spooky and we're only like, as of recording this three days removed from Halloween, this episode will come out a little bit after that. But yep. it's still the horror month. Um, yeah. So speaking of. Oh, yes. Uh, so films. <laughs> uh, yes. Or, Have you seen it? Or, I was trying to think of a much better segue, but I couldn't. So just, it's it's, go it's on. fine. <laughs> um. Yeah, I've actually watched a fair amount more this time around, which is nice. Um, not as much in the way of horror, 
I watched a, one of them was a thriller that I, I I've actually enjoyed a lot in the past. Um, but it's it's pretty. Um, it's I wouldn't call it a B movie because like it's got a good cast and everything, but it's like not as popular. It's called a Law Abiding Citizen. You ever heard of that one? No, I have not. It's it's like a mid two thousands or like mid twenty teens movie. I think it's about um a character played by Gerard Butler. He's like this brilliant me- like mechanic or sorry like engineer stroke assassin where he's like able to create like these devices and everything and be able to kill people like on the other side of the world with all these different contraptions and this whole thing of like his family gets is you know murdered by these criminals and he's screwed over by the court system and so he's taking revenge even while he's in prison it's like the main character is played by Jamie Foxx and it's this whole like thrilling thing of like oh how is this guy able to do all these crazy things it's like i've always really liked it because it's like the closest thing to a realistic supervillain you could actually get because it's like okay none of the things he's doing are like strictly speaking like fantastical like yeah he does some pretty crazy shit like he builds a secret tunnel in a solitary confinement chamber but it's still pretty cool personally so okay that one i watched pretty early on but other than that um I watched a few things mostly because, like, um, for my birthday, actually, because it was actually not too long ago. Um, But I'd gone home and watched a couple, a few episodes of a pair of limited series that my parents and I are getting into. One of them is called The Right Stuff, which is the same name as the movie about the same subject. It's about the uh, the NASA Mercury pilots of, like, the initial, you know, space missions. Right. Um, And just kind of... Uh, an, an elongated series format of that story. I've only watched a few episodes of it so far, but I like it a lot. That one's pretty good. Another one that we're watching is called uh, Z, The Beginning of Everything. It's centered on Zelda Fitzgerald, like the wife of F. Oh, Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah. And just like who she was as a person and how it's really revealed that she essentially wrote The Great Gatsby and not, and not Scott himself. Because <laughs> Scott himself wasn't that great of a writer and you know, Zelda was inadvertently basically just giving him lines for a lot of it, but I haven't watched much more of the series, so I can't say for sure where that goes, but it's very interesting. Plus, she is basically the iconic flapper woman, so it's like, yeah, no, she she basically embodies the whole, like, 1920s lifestyle, like, in that whole, in that whole deal. So that one I'm liking a lot, actually. All right. That sounds pretty interesting. I just, yeah. you describing it, 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 I hope... And you haven't seen the whole thing, but maybe you can ease my thoughts at some time. It doesn't devolve into sort of the stereotypical bio, quote unquote, biopic feature where maybe at one point she just happens to pitch the line like born back ceaselessly into the path. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that's what (laughs) Bohemian Rhapsody did a lot, too. And that stuff bothers me. I'm sure it will to some degree, because like I'm sure some of the instances did kind of happen. But, like, I've only watched a few episodes so far, and he hasn't gotten into writing The Great Gatsby yet. But, yeah, like, the first two episodes, it's how the two of them meet, or the two first two or three episodes, it's how the two of them meet and everything, and how they both moved to New York after the war. Um, just a, a whole bunch of setup so far. So I'm sure it will eventually become that and have the same, you know, you know, rise and fall of the silver starlet kind of thing. 
right where it's like oh everyone loves her oh she's got everything under control and like oh now things are slowly going out of control and oh drugs alcohol everything yada yada uh, eventual like self-reflection and redemption arc or whatever the fuck i don't know <laughs> we've we've seen those movies that's a we i think we've seen those movies on this show before i think so actually yeah like uh fucking that's a standard story yeah <laughs> A star is born to a degree. <laughs> it's like a star, the star is born in reverse, basically. Yes, where it's happening to the actual main character. But yeah, that's what I watched when I went back home. Uh, and then before that, or before that, or after, I don't know. At some point in that interim, I also watched uh, two Wes Anderson films with uh, Hannah, because I'd been wanting to introduce her to his stuff for a while. Um, we watched... Moonrise Kingdom first, which, upon reflection, probably not the best one to start with, because it's a bit weird. Um, but then I guess it's Wes Anderson, he can't really avoid it. And then after that, we did um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Those were pretty fun, and she seemed to enjoy them. You know, if she's not just blatantly lying to me. That's good. That's one of my biggest fears, is, like, introducing something to somebody and yeah. accidentally hyping it. I don't care if people have different opinions on things. I just am always scared I'm going to hype something up too much and then they'll be disappointed. Yeah, that's why that's why I talk down like everything I like to so, such a degree that I, I ironically go too far in the other direction where everyone's like, man, you like some boring shit. <laughs> Nothing you like is interesting at all. <laughs> Pretty much. Either that or I just sound pretentious about it because I'm like, oh, this movies are really good. And like, But it's like, it's I have a very difficult time coming off as either um condescending or pretentious when i talk about these things but it's really just me being genuinely like just like super into them and just being like it's so good it's like it's really cool and fun and i just like i feel terrible whenever i do that (laughs) oh i feel exactly the same way when i try to get people to watch david lynch stuff because (laughs) it's like I, i i really enjoy like everything i've ever seen from david lynch but don't think of me as pretentious for that because I don't think I don't even I don't know what's going on in any of his movies and I don't pretend to think that I do. I just like how weird they are. That's it. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But I believe that's it. I say hesitantly, I'm all but certain I'm forgetting something else. Did I mention Lawless last time? Mm, I can't remember. I don't think I did. I actually think that was uh, I think I watched it like the day after we recorded actually. Yeah, I watched uh, Lawless. It's a Shia LaBeouf and Tom Hardy movie. It's about the Bondurant brothers in Prohibition era uh, Virginia. It's about like just they're, they're moonshiners, so it's just talking about like the yeah the moonshining culture and everything in Appalachia and everything. So I, I think it's really cool. All right, <laughs> it reminds me of home. <laughs> Getting more lore on Stuart every day, folks. I'm from the general Appalachia region. They're going to dox you now. They're going to dox your ancestral home. Oh no, a Scotch-Irish douchebag <laughs> from Appalachia. That's not exactly going to be, you know, a hard fight. <laughs> <laughs> My god. But what about one named Stuart? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fuck, I mean, the App- Appalachia, the Appalachian Mountains are the literal same mountains as the mountains in the scottish highlands so i'm sure like they literally went there and like oh this this literally reminds us of home <laughs> let's just stay here <laughs> this is perfect yeah so yeah. Uh, but yeah i believe that is it i've also i mean i've been 
still listening to my podcast and everything magnus archives and everything that's still going strong um been listening to a couple other horror podcasts like the the liberty podcast um which is a bit which is a more sci-fi twist on it i think that's about it you know all right what about you well i'm glad you had so much because (laughs) i'm fairly light in comparison uh most of my time since last record i spent uh, playing Crash Bandicoot 4, and so I didn't ah. actually watch anything. I listened to podcasts, but nothing different from the podcasts I normally listen to. Honestly, besides these technically three things we watched today, uh, yeah. I only watched one other thing, and it was on recommendation from someone, because I put, I'm put i still doing the Disney thing, but I put word out uh, to some people on the internet. Uh, not through They Remade It, through a different account I have on a different social media site. Um, Mm -hmm. that was like, hey, uh, does anyone have any obscure or more obscure movie recommendations for me? Uh, I say obscure just because normally when I ask that stuff, people are always like, oh, you should watch The Dark Knight and Fight Club. And it's like, yeah, 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 I will. I've seen (laughs) I've seen those. Thank you. But I've already seen them. So what are some other things? Um, That's like whenever you go onto like Twitter or wherever and you ask people like, oh, I'm going to this city or whatever and it's like anyone have any recommendations that like be that'd be like if someone recommended fucking mcdonald's <laughs> so you're kidding me is that seriously the best you could come up with funnily enough i did go to mexico with my family forever ago i was still in elementary school at the time and i'm sure we ate at authentic mexican places but the only place i can remember eating at was a mexican mcdonald's and i remember <laughs> because it was weird they had like advertisements for aladdin toys you know, even though that movie had come out like twelve years before, huh. I got a and I got a Jafar, but I lost it. Um. So, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that aside. So I don't know if this is obscure or not. I hadn't heard of it, but I'm not too well versed in the uh, anime. Anyways, I'll I'll watch a series or read a manga or something, but I'm not like all anime all the time or whatever. <laughs> But there was an anime film that came out about two years ago called Mirai, and it's on Netflix, and someone recommended that to me. Okay. I watched it. It's pretty cute. It's not entirely my thing. It has a lot of really sort of overly sappy moments that are, like, trying to get you to feel something, and it feels sort of superficial in a way. And it's basically, you know, a kid lives with his parents and then a new child is born, and he's upset because all the attention's going to her. It's not necessarily an original concept for a plot either. Yeah, I was about to say, that's just the Rugrats movie. Exactly, yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> There are tons of stories that have that premise. In fact, if you, in fact, this is technically a combination of the Rugrats movie and the Rugrats hit Paris, because like, with the combination, it's like a different country, at least. Oh yeah, it does take place in a different location. And there is a Japanese woman in it, or yeah. Korean. I don't remember what Chucky's mom new mom was i think oh oh yeah and it wasn't paris they didn't go to paris they went to was it paris i don't know because i remember there being a lot of like they went to like a sumo dojo and everything and as well i feel like that was rugrats in paris they didn't have rugrats in tokyo yeah i don't remember your time anyway sorry (laughs) continue i will say that the last 20 minutes 20 or 25 are really visually appealing because they start meshing with different animation styles you know it, it it Throughout the course of the movie, there are all these animated figures, which are obviously digital, but it represents 2D. But the spaces that they inhabit are 3D, and that looks really good, really well done. 
but just the pure mm-hmm. visual, like the color palettes that start getting used and they start introducing characters that are made of like cardboard cutouts that interact, like the last 25 minutes are wild. And I really enjoyed that visually. So it's like, so it's like the ending of that one fairly odd parent special. <laughs> um possibly i don't remember <laughs> the fairly odd parents that it's the one where he like it, it it's the one where he like goes into the tv and he starts going between all these different shows and it has like different animation styles with oh each one. yeah hey it went to simpson simpsonburg yeah and then in the end they like end up in like dragon ball land or whatever yeah you're right that that's true yeah this is yeah, god this is the fucking this is the fucking episode of obscure references i can just see it coming I was gonna say it's fairly appearance obscure, but I mean I didn't remember that, so there you. Yeah. Go. I guess that works. It's a niche reference, let's call it that. At this point, practically, but uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if I'd recommend it as a whole. I'm sure a lot of people will find touching moments with it. Um, definitely, m- mother son stuff does tend to touch me, even if it feels fabricated. Um, but I would definitely look up clips from it, especially that ending bit, because that was really neat to uh, to watch. And yeah, that's the only thing that I watched. I do have a couple of things I wrote down just really quickly to try and mm-hmm. fill it. Not all of these events happened today in the world of sequels and remakes, but I read every single one of them today, and it was just wild. <laughs> all right, bring it on. So the Hocus Pocus sequel is well on track uh, to <sighs> yeah, actually be fucking... getting made. You know, <laughs> Kathy Nadine. That which is that which is dead cannot eternal lie. <laughs> Kathy Najimy will be in it, as we've discussed her in Rat Race. I'm I'm at least a fan of her, so or at least she's yeah. slated to be in it. They haven't actually done anything, so who knows? So that that's happening. Disney Plus, I guess, hot off the heels of all of the '90s Disney Afternooniverse they're doing with Ducktales, uh, the new Ducktales series, which is still good. Watch it. They are planning a CGI live-action hybrid of Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which should be coming out on Disney+, Plus, and I can only imagine that's going to look like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, I was thinking, I was like, oh god, they're doing Alvin and the Chipmunks the series? No! Uh. So that is apparently happening. I liked... I liked Chippendale Rescue Rangers well enough. I wasn't old enough when it was airing, obviously late 80s, early 90s, but I caught it in syndication on Toon Disney, so who knows? Uh, mm. I probably will hate how it looks, but... I mean, that's that's reasonable. The writing will probably be fine. And the other thing, I saw this on Twitter literally 30 minutes before we started recording, but <laughs> hot on the heels of the Animaniacs reboot that is coming out November 20th. Yep. HBO Max and Cartoon Network have teamed up to reboot Tiny Toon Adventures, which sounds like a really bad idea. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm down with that. Tiny Toon Adventures was the Tom Ruger series that was basically a testing ground for Animaniacs. So I like the characters well enough and some of the episodes still hold up, but as a whole... It's entirely versed in the eighty, the late eighties, early nineties. Like it, it, it aged, <laughs> it aged like milk. You cannot watch oh, that without thinking. I can't imagine that like working out. I don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah. So God, fucking every day I want to be positive about the whole remake scene, but every day I am reminded that we stray closer. For, we stray closer to the sun with every inch. I want to hope it'll be good because the DuckTales reboot is so good, but Cartoon Network mm. doesn't have a good track record with reboots. 
so not really no <laughs> cartoon network in recent years it feels like it hasn't had a great track record for much of anything uh not really no a lot of people liked summer camp island but they blew that off the network in like two days and okko has been over for two years so i don't even think there's anything on there that i would care to watch yeah it's just <sighs> cartoons are weird these days that they are i do actually kind of like a trend that i'm seeing a bit more and more is I do like with the like with the the Animaniacs remake uh, reboot coming out just kind of puts a pin in it. I do like that cartoons are kind of getting a bit of more, a bit more teeth again, or like not even necessarily cartoons, but um, a lot of shows and just media in general. I think the last like year and specifically four years for <clears throat> no particular reason, <clears throat> um, but I think a lot of media and everything for a long time had a pretty decent amount of time spent with more soft subjects or like you know very therapeutic subjects like you know in the form of like steven universe and everything where it's like it's all well and good that's a very important thing we need but at the same time it's like you don't get shit like animaniacs anymore and i saw the screenshots coming out like from the trailer and everything of all the very clearly political satire they're going to be going for and of course everyone freaking out like oh they made animaniacs political and i'm just like fucking Bill Clinton is one of the main lines in the original fucking theme song. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, he was sort of a main... He was almost like a character on the show. Exactly. So it's like, I do like that I'm kind of... That we're seeing a bit of that come back. Because I think that's just necessary for artistic media in general. Just to kind of like, have a bit of an edge to it. Not, you know, like all the time. I'm not about to be one of those motherfuckers that's like, Oh, shows are too PC anymore. Like, those people are assholes. But at the same time, it's like, this. there's been that pervasive fear for the last, like, I don't know, half decade or more. Really full decade since the 2010. Um, of just things being considered problematic. And, which obviously, yeah, lots of things, lots of things very rightfully were chastised and in many ways fucking crucified for it. Um, but... I think that kind of got swung a bit too far the other way. And I think it's just important to have things that's just like, you know, hey, let's say some stuff that might not necessarily be super chill, but it still needs to be said occasionally. My ending statement on that is Tiny Toons coming back. Meh. Animaniacs coming back. All right. Uh, Freakazoid coming back. Please do it. Oh, yeah. Make it happen. A show that like failed because it wasn't made for anybody. <laughs> it was like an it was like an adult swim program made for children in that nothing made sense and people didn't act the way that they should have and i love it and it needs it needs to come back let's let's bring back some of that nonsense humor let's go <laughs> we need it oh but let's bring eric andre to the masses <laughs> um interestingly enough though uh coming off the heels of that uh discussion about you know sort of controversial topics yes. sort of subversion let's get get into it yes as you could tell from the second pun opening of this month, which we really did not actually plan, but that was a happy little coincidence. This time around, we're doing, you know, specifically uh, the miniseries and then the two follow-up sequel, the two remake sequels in succession of It.
Let me go ahead and start off with this by saying I'm breaking form a fair amount with this. First of all, the fact of the matter is that the 1990 It is based is a miniseries. It's not just a single film, but many people consider it as a single film, and we watched it as a single film, so we're just going to count it. On top of that, uh, the two remake movies that, you know, the It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2... Um, both being two-hour films on their own, essentially doubles the length of the original show. Um, well, okay, more or less. And so it is much more comprehensive in its story. As such, I will be, for the sake of time, just giving the plot synopses of It 2017, followed directly after by It Chapter 2 of 2019, just to keep everything going on track and then at the end i will give the cast list and general differences between the remake and the original just to kind of keep things on track i'm also going to start off by actually just saying the cast list because there's a lot of people and i don't want to keep starting and stopping so plus there's a lot of people that's just like young version versus old version so i'm just gonna get all out of the way now so bear with me so, for the cast, I will be listing the young version of these characters of the 2017 film, followed directly after by the older versions in the 2019 film. So, Beverly Marsh is played by Sophia Lillis and Jessica Chastain. Bill Denbro is played by Jaden Martell and James McAvoy. Richie Tozier is played by Finn Wolfhard and Bill Hader. Mike Hanlon is played by Chosen Jacobs and Isaiah Mustafa. Ben Hanscom is played by Jeremy Ray Taylor and Jay Ryan. Eddie Kasprak is played by Jack Dylan Grazer, Grazer and James Ranson. Stanley Urris is played by Wyatt Olaf and Andy Bean. And then the eponymous It, or slash Pennywise the Dancing Clown, is played by Bill Skarsgård. In October 1988, Bill Denbro crafts a paper sailboat for Georgie, his six-year-old brother. Georgie sails the boat along the rainy streets of the small-town home of Derry, Maine, only to have it fall down a storm drain. As he attempts to retrieve it, Georgie sees a clown in the drain, who introduces him as Pennywise, the dancing clown. Pennywise entices Georgie to come closer, before proceeding to bite off Georgie's arm and drag the rest of him into the sewer. The following summer, Bill and his friends Richie, Richie Eddie, and Stan run afoul of older bully Henry Bowers and his gang. Bill, still haunted by Georgie's disappearance, calculates that his brother's body may have washed up in a marshy wasteland called the Barrens. He recruits his friends to investigate, believing Georgie may still be alive. Ben Hanscom, one of Bill's new classmates, learns that the town has been plagued by an unexplained tragedy by unexplained tragedies and child disappearances for centuries. Targeted by Bauer's gang, Ben flees into the Barrens and meet, meets Bill's group there. They find the sneaker of a missing girl named Betty Ripsom while a member of the Bowers gang, Patrick Hotstetter, is killed by Pennywise while searching the sewers for Ben. Beverly Marsh, a girl bu bullied over rumors of promiscuity, also joins the group. Both Bill and Ben then develop feelings for her. Later, the group befriends orphan and the orphaned Mike Hanlon after defending him from Bowers. Each member of the group has encountered terrifying manifestations of the same menacing clown who attacked Georgie listed as follows. A headless undead boy, a sink that spews blood that only children can see, a diseased and rotting leper, a disturbing painting coming to life, Mike's parents burning alive, and a frightening phantom of Georgie. Now calling themselves the Losers Club, they realize that 
they are all being stalked by the same entity, which they will refer to as it. I will not be referring to it as it throughout the synopsis because that is incredibly confusing. I will be referring to it entirely as Pennywise. Okay? Okay. They determine that Pennywise assumes the appearance of what they fear the most, awakening about every 27 years to feed on the children of Derry before returning to hibernation, and moves about by using the sewer lines, which all lead to an old stone well hidden underneath an abandoned house. After another attack by Pennywise, the group ventures to the house to confront it, only to be separated and terrorized. As Pennywise gloats to Bill about Georgie, the Losers, the losers Club regroup and Beverly impales Pe Pennywise through the head, forcing the clown to retreat. The group flees the house and begins to splinter, with only Bill and Beverly resolute in fighting Pennywise. Weeks later, after Beverly confronts and incapacitates her sexually abusive father, Pennywise then proceeds to abduct her. The Losers Club reassembles and travels back to the abandoned house to rescue her. Bowers, who has murdered his abusive father after being driven insane by Pennywise, attacks the group. Mike fights back and pushes Bowers down the well to his apparent death. The losers descend into the sewers and find Pennywise's underground lair, which contains a mountain of decayed circus props and children's belongings, around which the bodies of Pennywise's chi uh, child victims float midair. Beverly, now catatonic after being exposed to the bright lights inside of uh, Pennywise's gaping mouth, is restored to consciousness when Ben kisses her. Bill encounters Georgie, but recognizes that he it is actually Pennywise in disguise. Pennywise then proceeds to take Bill hostage, offering to spare the others and go into hibernation if they let it let him feed on Bill. The losers reject this, battling with Pennywise while overcoming their own various fears. Pennywise is eventually defeated and retreats deeper into the sewers, with Bill declaring that it will that it'll starve during its hibernation. Finding the remnants of Georgie's raincoat, Bill finally comes to terms with his brother's death and is comforted by his friends. As summer ends, Beverly informs the group of a vision she had while she was catatonic, where she saw them fighting against Pennywise as adults. The losers swear a blood oath that they will return to Derry as adults if Pennywise ever returns. After the others make their goodbyes and disperse, Beverly and Bill discuss her leaving the next day to live with her aunt in Portland. Before she leaves, Bill reveals his feelings and the two of them kiss. Returning to Derry, a man sees his boyfriend murdered by Pennywise after homophobic youth youths assault them and throw them off of a bridge. Investigating, a now older Mike Hanlon discovers that Pennywise has returned and calls his childhood friends. Bill, Ben, Beverly, Richie, Eddie, and Stanley. And, bring, and encourages them to return to Derry to, in order to honor, honor the promise that they had made to each other 27 years ago to kill Pennywise in case it had come back. While the others travel to Derry with hazy memories, Stan actually commits suicide after being contacted. The losers meet for dinner, and Mike refreshes their memories on the whole situation before they are tormented by some pretty whack hallucinations, you know, by the making of Pennywise, and then soon after learn of Stan's suicide. Richie and Eddie decide to leave until Beverly reveals that she had a psychic vision of their deaths should they fall, should they fail to fulfill their promise. Meanwhile, Henry Bowers, who was arrested for the murder of his father, escapes from a mental institution w with help from Pennywise. And a little girl is soon after killed by Pennywise at a baseball game. Mike shows Bill via a straight-up drug trip that in an, a Native American tribe used something called the Ritual of Chud, no, seriously, in order to attempt to contain and stop um, Pennywise for good. Going to their old clubhouse and finding Stan's shower cap, Mike explains that this ritual requires items from their past to be sacrificed, and he instructs everyone else to split up and search for their own personal artifacts. Beverly returns to her old home, now inhabited by an elderly woman, 
and finds ben, Ben's love letter, still believing that it was actually Bill who had written it. Fleeing when she, it turns out the elderly woman was actually Pennywise. You know, after getting all, like, creepy and, like, going all, like, standard horror movie, bending into weird shapes and shit, yada yada. Ben recalls a childhood encounter with Pennywise at the school and realizes his artifact is the yearbook that Beverly had signed, which he kept in his wallet. Richie and Eddie retrieve their artifacts, a token from an arcade and an inhaler, respectively. Soon after, Pennywise confronts Richie and taunts him about his sexuality before menacing Eddie. But when Eddie stands up to, to Pennywise, the creature shrinks back and flees. Bill finds his childhood bicycle and recovers the paper boat from the storm drain where Georgie was killed. He then soon after meets a boy named Dean, he, who says he hears, the voice, he hears voices coming from the drain. Later, Bill receives a message from Pennywise, who is now going after Dean. Bill runs off to save the boy, only to watch helplessly as Pennywise kills him. Henry attempts to murder Eddie at the Losers Hotel, and then Mike back at the library, but Richie instead kills him. The Losers rejoin Bill, Bill at the old house where they fought him the first time, and proceed to talk Bill out of facing against Pennywise alone. After once again saving B Beverly from Pennywise, the group descends into a cavern beneath the sewers and performs the ritual in the remains of the meteor that actually originally brought Pennywise to Earth. The ritual traps these lights, dead light things. It's this whole thing. I don't need, I honestly didn't understand it super well. It's whatever. Anyway, these lights that are apparently the source of all of Pennywise into, into a ceiling jar, but it, then, but it then soon emerges out as a giant red balloon, which bursts, revealing Pennywise in two combined forms, along with him, himself and a spider. Pennywise pressures Mike into revealing that Pennywise actually killed the natives who originally performed this ritual because their fears had overtaken them, a fact which Mike had hidden from the rest of the group. Pennywise attacks the losers and places Bill, Ben, and Beverly into these nightmarish hallucinations, including a lot of blood and being buried alive, etc., which they then escape from once Bill lets go of his guilt over Georgie's death and Beverly realizes Ben was the one who wrote the love letter. Mike stands up to Pennywise, only to almost get eaten in the process, but Richie manages to distract it, but then getting caught in the view of the deadlights, thus hypnotizing him. Eddie saves him, but is then fatally impaled by a now wounded Pennywise. He explains how he made Pennywise feel small earlier. The losers then proceed to mock Pennywise, showing that they are no longer scared anymore and calling Pennywise various names in order to make it weaker and small, causing Pennywise to shrink, realizing that Pennywise is only made stronger by their fears and anxieties. Now an emaciated husk, Mike rips out Pennywise's heart. He and the losers then all crush it in their hands, finally killing Pennywise. Eddie proceeds to die from his injuries, and the losers are forced to leave with him, are forced to leave him as the cavern explodes. Implodes, sorry. Soon after, also destroying the old house. The remaining losers return to their old swimming area and wash off after their conf confrontation with Pennywise, and join hands to comfort Richie as he mourns for Eddie. After the losers part ways, Ben and Beverly eventually get married. Richie returns to the kissing bridge where he had once carved his and Eddie's initials. Mike decides to move out of Derry and start a new life, and Bill begins writing his new story before receiving a call from Mike as he leaves Derry, learning that Stan had actually sent them all posthumous letters. The letters reveal that Stan was too scared to face off against Pennywise, and his suicide was a sacrifice to give his friends a chance to go against him. He asked the remaining losers to, quote, live life to the fullest potential. Now, for the cast list for the uh, original series, we have... Richie Tozier is played by Seth Green and Harry Anderson. 
Bill Denbro is played by Jonathan Brandis and um, Richard Thomas. Ben Hanscom is played by Brandon Crane and John Ritter. Eddie Kasprak is played by Adam Fereisel. He's played by Adam Fereisel and um, Dennis Christopher. Stan Urris is played by Ben Heller and Richard Masur. Beverly Marsh is played by Emily Perkins and Annette O'Toole. And Mike Hanlon, Mike Hanlon is played by Marlon Taylor and Tim Reed. And of course, the man, the myth himself, Pennywise, is played by Tim Curry. Not a whole lot of major differences. And honestly, it's actually been a minute since I've seen... Um, I actually watched the original one way earlier than I normally do, and only recently watched the two other ones. So I'm honestly... The major difference is, like, at the end, as many people know, the creature itself is actually revealed to literally be some like spider alien creature in the original series versus not just like you know these weird like esoteric lights or something and just like a few other details with how they kill it and how there's like this grand final battle in the in the 2019 film but it's not much of anything else in the original we will get into it (laughs) yes we will but first full circle So, we have three this time around, the most obvious one being uh, Seth Green, who was young Richie Tozier in the 90s It. He was Dwayne Cody in 2001's Rat Race, and he was Lyle in 2003's The Italian Job. Oh, yeah. God, I forget how many things we've seen at this point. You've seen a deal. (laughs) Next is Jeffrey Poonset, I believe, uh, who plays Zach Denbro in 2017's It and was a Sentry Lieutenant in 2012's Total Recall. Okay. I dare you to find that character in that movie. (laughs) I don't know if I want to. (laughs) And finally, Jimmy Starr uh, is uncredited as Man in Car in 2017's It. He's also uncredited as Boy at Pool in 1983's Scarface, and he's uncredited as trial witness in 1984's Ghostbusters. What the fuck? This this dude gets this dude is like he's just there. <laughs> yeah, I I was like just some act some extra that never gets like paid to actually have his name in the credits or what? I think he just like shows up and people are like, oh, it's this guy. Okay. <laughs> well, I looked it up and either that's it or people go out of their way to suggest him because he is like a film historian with several books and he has his own his own show well fuck me okay where he's interviewed a ton of celebrities like tony curtis and i don't know i've never heard of this guy is this like the thing where they fucking like stephen colbert was in like the one of the early scenes in like fellowship of the ring or some shit maybe i i honestly i don't know i couldn't tell you i this is the first time i've ever heard of him but hmm. he is very successful, apparently, and just shows up in uncredited roles in movies, I guess. Well, alrighty then. Hush my mouth. <laughs> uh, but that is it for Full Circle. Alrighty. <clears throat> Wasn't as hard of a synopsis this time around, but all the same, I'm going to have a nice long drink of my Milo's sweet tea. You know, fucking, you know, sponsor me, motherfuckers. Um, but, yeah, you got some initial thoughts with this one. These are... Two very 
distinctly different movies. When I'm just going to say movies, I'm just going to call the two um, remakes as a single movie because it's just going to be simple. Yeah. Um, Because it's the same story. Because, like, fuck it. So, I guess starting off, I'll mention uh, It, the miniseries. I have seen multiple times. I've seen two or three times. Oh. uh, Working up to this. So, I I was very familiar with it. Alrighty. To the point where there are lines where I was surprised because I've seen it multiple times, but the last time I saw it, I was probably, like, early high school, which was about a decade ago, almost. Actually, I think oh, it was. God. I think it was exactly a decade ago. Oh my god! Oh, oh yeah. Shit. I mean, same obviously. Yeah, uh, but so I I was surprised how much of it I remember. Not just the story beats, but there's ways specifically Tim Curry that he delivers lines where I just rem- <laughs> I remembered exactly how it was delivered. <laughs> yeah. Like there's one point he goes, uh, "I'm everything you ever were afraid of," and that sticks. That is stuck in my mind for an eternity. Um, yeah, it's just there's so many lines. Oh my God. Yeah, you have Prince Albert in a can. Yeah, and what? <laughs> those <laughs> dude. We've talked about this on the show before, but speaking of things that me and uh, a mutual friend from college quote back and forth to each other, we would just do the Pennywise laugh from the miniseries, <laughs> and uh, I'll drive yeah, you. I'll, no, I remember that. I'll drive you crazy. We would just say that to each other. <laughs> which t- he also says uh in that same scene that i was quoting earlier uh yeah so yeah no that that definitely has an imprint on my mind because i've seen it multiple on multiple occasions yeah, i think i think i've only ever seen the ending before <laughs> otherwise i've seen like synopses on like videos and stuff because i'm like everyone always told me like when they were young it was like oh my god that movie scared me so much and i saw bits and pieces i was like what the fuck are y'all talking about the 2017 version uh, the first film mm. of the two follow-ups I saw around the time it came out, uh, not when it was in theaters, but when it came out on home video, I, I saw it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, mm. I really liked it. I was surprised at how well it turned out. And the 2019 version, this for this podcast, was my first time seeing it. I just didn't have much drive to watch the follow-up. I had seen the miniseries, mm. the adult sections were not my favorite part of the movie, so I was like, yeah, I'll get around to that one, and then I just never did. It's 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 only yeah. been like a year, it's not like I avoided it for forever, but... Right, uh, right, So it was my first time seeing it, and oh boy, I <laughs> I knew the original was long because it's technically a miniseries, I did not know that the 2017 version was going to be as long as it was when I watched it the first time because it's a horror movie. I was like, well, close yeah, to two and yeah. a half hours is standard for a decent amount of movies, but for a horror movie, I don't know about that. And then almost three hours for the 2019. This almost rivals the God Godfather episode. Not quite, yeah, like, but it's, it's second. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I really did not think going into this, I really I was thinking the same. I did not think it was gonna be so goddamn long. Like the miniseries, I knew it was gonna be long because like that's just kind of it's a fucking miniseries. Exactly. But my god, when I saw the runtime for the nineteen, I was like, what? It's longer <laughs> than the miniseries. Yeah, I think the miniseries might yeah. have it beat by like ten minutes, but like it's it should not but be like, that long. And I and I even I said it in the synopsis because like I. 
I because I, I really just did not feel feel like it was. I said in the synopsis that the two films essentially double the length of the you know miniseries, which I said fully forgetting that yeah the miniseries was really long and it was comparable to these but god if these two didn't feel just longer on their own they did and and we're gonna get it we're gonna get into a lot of it like comparing and whatever because that's um what we do that's the format of the show but and there's lots of things that i like about the new it's but just right off the bat the 1990s version does a little less story-wise than the two follow-ups did uh they the two follow-ups elaborate a lot on the story and they add more to it yeah but the 90s version was able to tell its story and then get out essentially it's still long but if you mm-hmm. you compare it like you said to the combined runtimes of cha- chapter one and chapter two i'll just call them uh yeah. especially the second they did not need to be that long there are so many things that I would have cut out and I still think it would have been fine. Yeah. I just, and, and like, yeah, I just, there, and it just seemed like it did just drag on certain things. Um, it felt like it was trying to build these characters up a lot more than it really ended up feeling like they were built up. Like even in the synopses that we had, they just completely kind of glaze over some parts of it. Thinking back on it, God, I cannot really think about the characters that much for any of these guys on either, you know, either the the original or the remake. But the original at least has the benefit of it being concise. <laughs> Very interesting movies. Plot is the weak point for both. Or, okay, characters are the weak point for both, personally. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, you know what, I think I agree with you. But I think it comes down to writing, like the way that the characters were written, because... I don't know, the actual performances, I don't think I had any character that I actively disliked the portrayal of. I thought all the performances themselves were good. I just don't think the... Oh, yeah. Performances were fantastic, but, like, the characters themselves, yeah. Exactly. Like, if I think back on it, I can't even totally remember all the characters' names without looking at a sheet. I'm just like, oh, yeah, Fat Boy. Uh, (laughs) Fat Boy, John Ritter, Finn Wolfhard, and even then they start to get confused between the two versions because, you know, it's all the same characters and it's a large cast of characters. Yeah, at a certain point it's just like, and and I've seen jokes of it made before, but it's like at a certain point you really just just start bringing down to, okay, fat kid, girl, black, Jewish. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, pretty much. And and, and it varies between the versions too because I, I, I think that I think Richie is the only one where I'm familiar with the just the actors portraying them on both sides. But yeah. besides that, you go into it's like, oh, I have to look up <laughs> who played <laughs> who played a uh, young Bill in the new one. But I know who played young mm-hmm. Bill in the first one. I know Jonathan Brandis. He was in a ne- he was in Never Ending Story sequel, and he was in uh, oh yeah, he killed himself in the early two thousands. Uh, yeah so, so i know about him <laughs> yeah so it god rest yes of course and of course i know john ritter uh yeah so at a certain point it's like i'm start i start getting them confused like oh well no he wasn't in that one uh he wasn't in that mm-hmm. one either uh i i don't know if that means that they didn't maybe the portrayals are a little bit I wouldn't say similar, but maybe that stems back to the characters writing in that I can't distinguish them well enough unless I actively think about it. With the exception, of course, of Pennywise, because they're both going for very different portrayals. 
Uh, oh yeah, uh, for that character. And I think, and th- that's probably going to be like one of the biggest sticking points between these two movies is that how distinctly different they were done. Because I really do think it is kind of hard for me to separate these two just beyond that, but especially with Pennywise. Yeah. Um, because it's like, God, Tim Curry's fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like like anytime he's on screen, I cannot like I just he just eats it all up, and he's just like I cannot look away. But just anytime Bill Skarsgård is on the screen, and I, I'm sure that's this is the intention. It just I feel deeply uncomfortable. Oh, definitely. Which, is like, which I know speaks to it as a horror movie, but at a certain point, with seeing all these things, and especially like did did the like did the style of the effects in the remakes make you like just kind of give you like a weird like ugh feeling cuz like of for them. some reason like cuz like not even necessarily by like oh it's a horror movie that sort of thing's going to happen but even like just the quality of the computer animation just really just I was not a fan of I just throughout it I was like god I hate this <laughs> this is like like the scene at the end where you know he's getting where the one guy is having the nightmare of being buried alive and everything, and even the dirt and everything just looks weird, you know. Yeah. Just at a certain at a certain point, I was like, this everything kind of just looks like it's like kind of fleshy, which again I know is sort of supposed to be the point, but I don't know if I liked it. Right. <laughs> like there are creepy there are creepy moments that I like that were on their own, like any of the moments where like um, Pennywise went straight up monster, and you could just see him like. You know, like, the jaw and everything, like, dislocating and, like, the whole thing of him just turning into a beast. Those scenes I liked just because I thought that was just, like, okay, that's just a very genuinely jarring change that I just find, you know, creepy. But just all the other scenes of, like, trying to, like, kind of go above and beyond with all the various, like, hallucinations, it just got a bit much. (laughs) Whereas in the original one, it's, like, you know, they're pretty straightforward and just anytime Pennywise is on screen with Tim Curry, it's just, like, Okay, there's a quick cut, and now he has teeth. That's about exactly. It. <laughs> it's like I'm fine with that. Like that's that's all you really need. Like all the other situation is weird and freaky, and he looks freaky as a clown on its own. But it's still like you know, acceptable to watch. I I will say that I think, um, something something I like that it does, but in regards to the CG, it's to its detriment. Is that there is so much happening with Pennywise during the daytime. And in yeah. well-lit spaces, because he, he has free reign over this town, because he can do it in your head, so he can basically get away with doing almost anything he wants. A lot of modern horror films that have like these CGI beasts and creatures and whatever, they're always either uh, blacklit by a blue color, or they're in the dark and barely lit up, or like a candle goes across their face for a quick jump scare, and then you don't see it anymore. And that's sort of mm. how they work around it, but I feel like... They can't do that with Pennywise because he's always sort of there. There, there's, there's, there's one scene. I think it's in the 2019 one. It, it might be when he's confronting Richie in the park, maybe. But some of those scenes blend together. But yeah, and that's a whole other thing. But yeah, yeah, when Richie's sort of running off, and then Pennywise is like, "People aren't playing with me anymore," or whatever. His they do this weird thing where it looks like one side of his face is starting to melt, like he's having a stroke. But since mm-hmm. it, it's really well lit, it just looks kind of odd. Um, yeah, it's like I, I, it, 
I really wanted to like those scenes more of him being in the daytime, like, because I like that. I like when horror movies are actually, like, kind of breaking the mold. It's like, it's not all at nighttime or just in on dark underground caverns and shit. It's like having a creature that's hunting you out in broad daylight. That's terrifying. Like, that's that's a straight up terrifying thing because it's like, oh, they don't need to be in the shadows to scare you or to hunt you down. They, they're they just so in control of the situation. You can't really do that with so much CG, though. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, and, you know, it's not all terrible. There's one scene that sticks with me because I really do like it. I think it's well done. And it's in the 2017 one, chapter one, mm-hmm. where they first go into that the old house and they open up a safe or a cabinet of some sort and Pennywise is in it and he's like upside down and he crawls out like a spider and his body starts twisting around and you can very easily tell it's CGI, but Mm. it's not, I guess it's not trying to go for some wacky monster or anything. It's just, it's him, but his limbs are all over the place and he's sort of putting them back together. And I thought that it was almost like a dance, the grace with that, with how he climbed out and sort of realigned his body, I think that sort yeah. of thing was done really well. Yeah, and I like that. That should kind of goes into another point I kind of wanted to get into with Pennywise between the both of them. Really, is I really do like the moments where he is playing into him being this clown creature that is also just a essentially a wild animal. What was your opinion on the whole revelation in both cases that he really is some like? ancient alien deity because it's like on i personally just like the idea of it just being like this creepy creature that we just don't understand versus being how he says in the last one in the 2019 one like the devourer of worlds or some shit where it's like they 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 just there's some non there's some very different situations like that just don't mesh with the character yeah the thing the thing is that's strange about it is it didn't bother me as much in the 1990s one because it's it's sort of like if you don't have any affiliation with the book at all, which I haven't read the the whole thing, but I have passing familiarity with it, even the uh, troubled spot. But yeah, <coughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to dance around that because we're not talking about the book. Um, yep. But even then, the uh, the spider creature just sort of it's like, oh, OK, it's like this like weird alien insectoid in the like underneath the town okay that's strange and then they kill it and they leave um yeah so so it's weird but it doesn't last i think the 2017 and 19 well the 19 i guess just harbors on it a bit too much because they bring in like the rituals and the specificity of the light and like native tribes interacting with it which is kind of interesting but it adds all this extra lore for the sake of adding lore because there's no resolution to it it's not like oh this is what the creature is it's just adding more to the creature without additional context i guess and i kind of i did like the idea on its own of this being a creature that's been around like as far back as like you know native american tribes and everything because that kind of goes in the idea of you know cryptids being ancient and just being just not understood by you know, humanity and that sort of thing. And that's a cool theme to have on its own. But the fact that they had to add in the whole, like, alien thing and, like, that a fact that he has done, like, a bunch of shit, like, throughout the millennia and fucking centuries of the universe just completely kind of just 
discredits the character when he is immediately then killed by people just like getting over their anxieties. Like that's it. <laughs> like I just it just it I, I I hate it. I hate the idea of this whole thing of it having to be like, oh, it's this fucking ancient unknowable basically cosmic horror that kind of just got knocked off in a few seconds. <laughs> it's it's kind of unfortunate because if you so, okay, I'm going to compare the 90s and the 19 version for a second, and, and I'll curb okay. that by saying the 2017 version, I think, has a really good ending. I like the ending. Yes, yes, I I will agree with you on that one, at least to this, this effect. Yeah. But, yeah, continue. Both the 90s and the 19, however, the way that they end, it's kind of funny because it mirrors Bill's character not being able to come up with a good ending for his script. <laughs> Um, oh yeah that's a good point actually I don't think either of them end very well the 90s one just tries to clear it up really quick because it's like okay they're down there and they have some fun interactions where they're trying to locate Pennywise and he appears to them in a cloud in the sky I mean in the sewers but it's like Mufasa or something Um, Yeah, yeah. so there's some cool back and forth but then they just they find him they try to kill him they do kill him and then they leave and there's they they try to add some tension in there, but there's not a lot. Uh, yeah, that that movie really good pacing throughout it. Bad, not great resolution. Exactly, <laughs> which I think can be said about a lot of '90s horror. When I think about it, very good build up, not a great satisfaction. <laughs> the poor leprechaun, though. Um. <laughs> um And to that end, the 2019, Chapter 2, they do add a lot of sort of tension and stress in the ending of the movie. Uh, Oh, yeah. So that part they get right. But the resolution still falls flat. And I don't even think it's necessarily a pacing thing. I just don't get what they were going for with the ending. And and, and I'll explain, explain it here. Because... They they listen to what Eddie had said and they make it small, I guess, is yeah, what they're, they're going like, for. But, yeah, they make it like feel insignificant and everything. And and the whole conceit of the film, like working up in both cases, in all of these movies, is he can get you unless you're not afraid. And they sort of do that to an extent in, in that, you know, they're all talking down to him like they think he's lesser than them. So they're showing they're mm-hmm. not afraid. But they don't frame it that way. They frame it as they're making him feel small, which is a very confusing way to put it. If they were just showing, yeah, we're not afraid of you, do this and do that, then it'd be one thing. But, like, they just start calling him what they see him as, headless boy. It's like, okay, yeah, he took the form of a headless boy. Is that lesser? I mean, I guess a boy without a head can't survive. And calling him clown, which... Why does that make him feel like he's been a clown 80% of the movie? Yeah, I thought yeah, at that point when he started doing that, I was like, I thought he was proud of being the clown. <laughs> I thought I liked that. It's his favorite persona. He does it all the time. I think it's like, I think it was just a really ham-handed way of them needing, like, like vocalizing their own, like, internal resolutions and their own internal, um, you know, kind of epiphanies and everything. Because it's like... In reality, it's like if, you know, learning you're not afraid of something is not a very dramatic, necessarily a very dramatic thing, or at least it could be a dramatic thing if it were done with a more dramatic film, 
rather than the one that has all this crazy shit and having a scene where fucking Bill Hader just pretends to puke after killing a man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it really was just like a very ham-handed way of saying, we are now resolving our issues and we are doing it to show the audience that we have done so. Now you will die. And that sucks because the 2017 ver- the version, it, it's getting confusing. I don't mean to yeah. break up the two newer you ones. You can just say chapter one if you want. I, I, I should. I really should. Um, and I'm not meaning to break up chapter one and two because they're technically, you know, we're comparing both of them to the 90s. But if we take all three of these movies just as that, three different movies, the 27th. They're very distinct. Chapter one, I will say, is my favorite movie of all of them. Yeah, I got like you know without showing the hand too early. Yeah, I guess definitely <laughs> got to agree. It's it's yeah the kids on display there. It's just like, and I, and that goes into a point that I will get into a little bit later. But if you have a further point with this, oh yeah, just just real quickly, it it does a really good job of you know displaying what their fears are specifically. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Eddie doesn't like germs and getting sick and bill is afraid of the fact that you know georgie's death was his fault and i mean richie's scared of clowns which plays into you know pennywise being a clown uh Mm. and with the exception of the georgie bit just because that's an underlying theme it's like a plot thread obviously they kind of ditch a lot of that like beverly still has issues with her father but yeah, the sequence that Pennywise puts her through is her being tormented by an old woman. Um, and in the ending scene, when they're all calling Pennywise names, Beverly is saying that she sees him as an old woman. And I don't think I understood what that was going for. And that kind of goes into the point that I am going to make. That's kind of my end linchpin for the two movies, which gives this is going to be such a weird opinion in the end for like how we feel about both of these. And I know I talk about the modern ones a lot more, but it's just like, there's a lot more to dissect. Right. Um, But this is a bad story for adults to be in it. The (laughs) Mm -hmm. story of the kids really does, should have been kind of the whole thing. They, They either should have had a greater resolution in the kids section or, they should have held on to more of the actual personalities of the kids themselves in their adult versions. Cause the whole thing of it is this basis of, you know, conquering fear. And they've even like, I've seen the analysis, like analysis things of it over time that Pennywise prefers, you know, kids because it's a much simple fear. It's much simpler fears and that sort of thing. Um, versus adults have very complex anxieties and fears and everything. And so as a result, it's a much more straightforward and digestible good versus evil kind of story of these underdog kids who they themselves have their own, you know, issues and neg- negative qualities, but showed their ability to get over them. It, it, it works out very well in this context. It, it, it creates, you know, it does as a story should. It creates a literal physical manifestation of a lot of anxieties that people might have on their own, and then they show it in a movie. So it's like, okay, cool. Um, but that doesn't get reflected back in the adult one. It just seems like the adult one only exists to kind of pad out the sequel hook they establish in the beginning, in the first one, where it's like, if he comes back, we'll, you know, we'll come back to kill him. 
And I know in the original miniseries, obviously, it it switches back and forth at the same time throughout the miniseries. Uh, I don't think we directly established. Um, it switches back and forth concurrently between their younger lives and their older lives. And it just feels like It Chapter 2 only exists to kind of serve that purpose. Because, <laughs> like, it doesn't really feel like anything was learned. Like, it didn't really feel like anyone learned anything. They were just, they were hunting a monster and they just kind of sucked at it. <laughs> right. And so it's just seeing this genuine, like, like you know, genuine, pretty good heartfelt, you know, situation, heartfelt story in the in chapter one. And then just kind of following that up with these adults just kind of moping about about the situation more than anything. And then just kind of having like, you know, Joss Whedon dialogue between each other. I'm just like, fucking right, <laughs> shut up. Like when he says like, do you, do you like like when he puts like the, the arcade token and for like the fire, I was like, do you know how long it's gonna burn and everything? I was like, I like when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about that in the back of my mind. I was like, man, that's not gonna burn very easily. But then I thought, oh wait, it's a metaphorical thing. It's meant to kind of be this whole thing. It's like they'll accept that as a thing. But then he fucking brought up like, oh, you know how long it's gonna take to burn? I was like, God, fucking shut up! <laughs> right, like, so stupid. You didn't need to say that. Though the character that says it, that's kind of his shtick. <laughs> I know, but like, be an asshole. I mean, yeah, but that, uh, you know, character that is deliberately an asshole still comes off as an asshole. So, oh, no, I, I know what you mean. I, I say yeah. that all the time for characters that are deliberately written to be annoying. Yep. So, so <laughs> it's just it's hard to really defend a lot of it because it's like we had these this really touching story in the original of these kids having to face off against a literal fucking demon. And then they, these guys in their adult life just kind of being dopes about it. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, and really that's oh. in, and really that's in both the remake and the originals case. Like I, I, I really pretty much everything I just said there could be applied to either. Exactly. I just, the thing is, is that I, if we're comparing the nineties version to chapter one and two together, which we are, yep. I, th- I just feel like the nineties one is put together better because 2017, the chapter one is such a great movie, but I think chapter two really drags it down. Yeah, if you're taking them like, together. Like, it really does baffle me why that movie had to be almost fucking three hours. Like, it didn't need to be. It's just like, you, we could have had a very concise story with the situation and kind of wrapped it up. But they were trying to have this character drama for all these characters that just was not working. Like, it, like the biggest thing, I guess, is kind of between... Um, fuck uh the, the the character's name is it like bill Hader's character and the other guy oh yeah richie um, and eddie richie and eddie and like kind of how like how they were you know they had feelings for each other but that doesn't fucking go anywhere it's like okay fucking he dies that's that <laughs> it's like okay well <laughs> dude that's it's... so true too oh my god we're just picking I, I do have some points for the 90s film trust me but i got i gotta say yeah. this too that baffled me because in in chapter two they have this moment near the end they they're all in the cavern and pennywise is chasing them around and a lot of the characters start having these moments where they have to confront their problems and i guess mike doesn't he he confronts a different problem because his his parents died he's sort of an orphan he lives with his grandfather i suppose and that's sort of his issue but they turn it into an issue of he lied and it's his fault that everyone's in this mess 
So he has to deal with that directly with Pennywise, like taunting him about it. Um, Bill has to deal with the fact that come to terms with, you know, Georgie's death wasn't his fault. And uh, Beverly and Ben have the, you know, romantic angle that they have to deal with. Uh, yeah. They're both in the simultaneous scenes where she's back in the bathroom stall that's filling up with blood and he's being buried alive and they can like talk to each other and then they, you know, they get together, they recite the poem, blah, blah, blah. So there's, there's resolution all around. Um, but Eddie and Richie don't have that in that scene. They get to interact because they're paired together, but there's no resolution and they have a character moment built in that they can totally utilize, but they kind of don't. Yeah. Until, until it's too late. And I guess them utilizing it is when Eddie dies. But yeah, I don't know. They had a perfect. I feel like they had a perfect setup there to do something more with it, and they just chose not to. Yeah, it's it's just it's so hard to defend so many of the character decisions in the in the 2019 version. It's just like fucking. I couldn't remember any of y'all's names by the end. Yeah. Other other than maybe Richie, and it's like again, and I don't mean to like say that's a bad performance by any of the people on display. Like again, quite the opposite. Like the actors in pretty much both in all the. In both the series and the remakes, fantastic across the board. Like especially, I think, I think the standout just has to, for me honestly was Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. I think he's just like he genuinely really did turn it into an actual creepy movie, which was the main point I kind of made in my stinger was that I gotta say I don't know how you feel about it, but I know a lot of people when I was younger said it. The miniseries really not that scary. <laughs> no, no, it's not, and I'll... and that's kind of. <laughs> And that's kind of kind of done with the fact that you know Tim Curry is himself fucking hilarious and is a very isn't then therefore a good clown so that makes sense for the character, but as far as a movie, not scary. I think a lot of people that say it's scary are one people that saw it as small children and they're specifically referring to when he gets sharp teeth in the sewer at the very beginning of the movie, and yep. I think a lot of what I saw was. I guess the shower scene specifically freaked a lot of people out or mm-hmm. especially the claymation sort of stop motion they use when he makes the, uh, the drain bigger. Yeah. Freaked a lot of people out. And I can understand that because stop motion is still creepy to me to this day, even when done. Well, oh yeah. Even when done well, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's not scary. I wouldn't call it scary. And I don't know. Tim Curry doesn't really go for scary either. Like that's yeah. he knows he's playing a clown. And I, I don't know if you know Tim Curry could be scary if he fucking tried. If I'm honest, <laughs> yeah, the man, the man who said the, the man who said the, the line, "I'm going to the one place that ca- that that I'm free from capitalism." Space. Yeah. It's <laughs> like God bless that crazy campy man. He's beautiful, um, but yeah, no. Yeah, Bill, he was great. Bill Skarsgård was great, and oh yeah, surprisingly because I didn't have any affiliation with him beforehand, and I never thought about it in the past because I wasn't so into actors or anything. But I was a big fan of uh, Harry Anderson, who played Adult Richie in the miniseries. I don't know. I oh, thought yeah. he was genuinely funny, and Bill Hader is funny yeah. too. But I know that because he's like a comedian. Oh yeah, Bill Hader is like fucking. Obviously, I think my standout for the normal actors in the 2019 was Bill Hader. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, uh, what'd you say the guy's name was for Richie? Harry Anderson. 
Harry Anderson. Yeah, he was he was good. It's just like that. That's the thing. Whole thing about both these is that it is hard to really say. Okay, I'll say this. It is hard to like the 2019 the the adult stories for what they are. But there's so many like individual standout moments that it's it's hard not to it's hard to dislike them. And so it puts me in this weird position. Yeah, no, I I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, yeah. And, and you know what? Because you compared, uh, you were talking about comparing the Pennywises earlier. I didn't really do that. Yeah. So uh, I'll say uh, that Bill Skarsgård does a great representation of Pennywise for these the the sort of horror aspect of the movie. You know, yeah. they're more horror oriented. They are actually trying to be scary. And I think he does a good job with that. Even, you know, CGI is used in some spots, but, but even when he's just like being himself, he does a good job. Um, mm. I don't much, and this is kind of the same as the leprechaun argument from last time. I'm not a fan of his voice. And, and it's sort of like the, the more playful, like try to get children to come up to you clown. So, with, mm. which is creepy on its own, I suppose, but I found everything else about his Pennywise creepy. Uh, his Pennywise to be creepy. I did not find the voice creepy. It just kind of felt annoying. Whereas Tim Curry, his delivery with everything is just perfect. Oh yeah, like the line of like they float, like fucking. That's still like people still quote that shit. Which, that like that was that small point. Was it meant to, in the original miniseries, in the original book, was it meant to be, like, the bodies float, like, they float in the sewer or some shit? Because, like, I know in the in the remake, it's like, oh, they're all, like, hypnotized and floating around, like, the deadlights and everything, and that's the whole thing. See, like I said, I only have passing familiarity with the book, so I don't know the answer to that, but I always assumed it was float in the sewers. I thought that was the point. Um, and yeah. if that was the point, then... They did. There's a pretty interesting interpretation of it in chapter one, I must say. Yeah, uh, which yeah. I actually do like that more. If if that if that isn't the case, I prefer that interpretation more. Uh, yeah, and that really can, and that really just shows the difference of where they go with uh, Pennywise's character. Like in the original one, he's really just kind of meant to be this overall creepy if a little otherworldly creature whereas the other one in the remakes they really lean into this whole like oh he's this cosmic unknowable thing who's doing this weird shit it's like all right we can chill a little yeah no so i'm i'm mixed i'm mixed on how they portrayed it his like layer and end game with it so it's like it's still creepy but it's like eh. i've seen i've seen otherworldly horror done better is all i'm saying no i i gotcha in fact, if we're if we're discussing that, I think that the these sort of insectoid creature that he is um, in the '90s version, because he kind of turns into a half clown, half spider in Chapter Two, but it, which I think is almost meant to be more an homage. I think so, and I, I saw this when looking up some research for this, and that you know they didn't just and and this goes for a lot of remakes, but not everyone admits to it. Um, mm. But they used the the Stephen King novel as sort of the jumping off point for the movie but they took a lot of inspiration from the miniseries specifically uh and th- mm-hmm. and they admitted to that so I'm sure it was uh but but uh that being said 
I found the practical effects, and this isn't me being a hipster, but I found the practical effects of that, like, insectoid, especially the close-ups of its face with its eyes, infinitely more creepy than most of the things in the two newer films. It yeah, no, really no, I, I completely agree. Yeah, like, it's easy way to do creepy and grossed out practical effect uh, insects. Like, it's just like every single fucking time. It's a, it's a dead on. Yeah, it's like nightmarish. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's not a hard agreement to have. Yeah, I just I I know I've heard other people sound much douchier when making arguments for practical effects. Like, uh, it'd be scarier with puppets. It's like, yeah, yeah. would it? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the, at the end of the day, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like, is this the hill you're wanting to die on? No, look, dude, I like I like practical effects too. A lot of the time for the campiness of it, but that a movie isn't inherently good because the gremlins are are puppets being controlled by people. Yeah, because and let's be honest, even the best practical effects after long enough they will age poorly. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a pretty that's pretty apt, I'd say. You can get away with it in horror because they're meant to be weird and, and kind of uncanny valley looking. But still, if you take a look at it objectively, the spider looks like it's aged like milk. <laughs> exactly. But but again, <laughs> to, to what you said, that makes it so much creepier to me. <laughs> exactly. So it actually gets creepier with age. <laughs> oh, so it's perfect. Uh, Whereas the CG will just kind of look silly and stupid. Yeah, exactly. I... Hmm. So, I guess I'm at a weird point here, because I, I I feel like the miniseries is so much more organized, and it's better at, mm-hmm. at sort of controlling the story and where it's supposed to go, but it doesn't do a lot with the characters, and e- even the kid characters, by the second half of the film, even though they're layered together, it feels like they start getting lazy with the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. where it's like i don't know the one the one thing that absolutely stands out in my mind is i can't you'll have to remind me if it's eddie or stan but one of the characters wanders into the haunted house and a mummy starts chasing them down the stairs do you remember which boy that was oh fuck uh i genuinely can't remember well, i think fine. i want to s- maybe stan <laughs> okay maybe we'll, we'll just say stan and if it's eddie then it was eddie but um yeah it's weird because they, it comes out of nowhere. They're just, oh, it was it was Stan, I think, because they're talking about how the story was told to them, or told yep, to yeah, one that... of them. And he's like, yeah, okay, I think I think I remember that now. Yeah, and and it comes out of nowhere because it's framed as everyone's getting their memories back in both cases. Uh, but it's it's just like he wandered into the house and a mummy started coming after him, and he held up his bird book and said all the names of the birds. And then he let himself out, which is supposed to be, I guess, you know, not necessarily like I'm not afraid, but more so I'm not thinking about it. So therefore, I'm not afraid. But they just have moments like that where they're weird memories that don't really do anything. And they're just (laughs) layered layered in odd spots. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, when you take all these guys as a as a whole. You know, assuming the miniseries as a whole, and then assuming the two remakes as a whole, 
bit of a mess. Bit of a mess on both parts. Um, but if you wanted to, like, the only way, like, we've kind of, you know, touched on it throughout it. That's the whole theme of these movies is, as a whole, pretty messy. You take individual parts of it, even entire halves of it, it's pretty good. <laughs> but it's just like... I don't think I'd watch either of these things again. That's the main thing. I'm just kind of like, eh. The the, the 2017 one, maybe. If only just because, like, I don't know. I think they just had a better time with the characters. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, no, I I don't don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And also, like, it's, dude, and we've talked about it before. Did the amount of swearing start to get kind of annoying in the remakes? Uh... Strangely enough, for me, not with the kids, because that just oh, reminded yeah, me yeah, of that enough. just reminded me of middle school. Uh, <laughs> That's actually a good point. Yeah. With the adults, kinda. <laughs> yeah, the, the adults definitely, because like I kind of liked the '90s one had a certain almost air of innocence, even on both sides of it. That kind of like that was meant to counteract the truly like hellish things these kids were going through. But then the 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 two remakes, it's like it seemed like it kind of went a bit too ham on all like okay everything fucking sucks and this is a literal demon. It's like okay we can have some levity versus along with this, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll say the first time, um, the first time I saw the uh, chapter one uh, after it had come out, the movie ended and I was like, I liked all the characters. I did not like Finn Wolfhard in that movie. I really didn't. Um, yeah, because he, it felt he was too, kind of weak in it. it. It felt too far in that direction. But after watching it this time, I I don't know. I I, I like it more. I think it's fine. Uh, I think yeah. it was just a reaction because I was so familiar with the '90s version. But like reflecting on it and especially comparing it to you know kids I knew and even some that I hung out with growing up, it's like no, it it feels it feels real. It feels more real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's legit. <laughs> that's real shit right there. um so yeah i i guess i guess i don't i don't think i have any other points to touch on to you yeah not really i mean like you know i think we firmly established that we both firmly established that you know we individually like the 2017 one the most what would you say as a whole though would do you prefer the miniseries or the two remakes in this case, I'm going to have to go with what I would end up watching again. And I can see myself watching chapter one again in the future, because like you just said, yeah. I really enjoy it. I think it's well put together, well directed, well written for the most part, well written uh, and just yeah. well acted uh, mm-hmm. as a whole, though. I got to go with the, the miniseries. I find it more enjoyable if I if I had to sit through chapter one and chapter two, I don't know if I could do it, but. I find mm. so many different segments of the 90s version charming that I can sit through 10 minutes of slog to get to Tim Curry popping out of a shower floor yep. and like putting his his head in his hand and just looking bewil- like beleaguered like oh that was an effort like I don't <sighs> there's so many enjoyable parts of the of the entire film that I think that that's my favorite Yeah, I think I got to I think I agree with you pretty much wholeheartedly because, like, even going into this, I was fully anticipating liking the remake more because I was just thinking, like, going into the nineties one, I was like, "Man, the effects and everything, and the camera work, it's just gonna, it's gonna age like, it's gonna age terribly." But then after having watched it, because this was the first time I've seen it all the way through, um, but having watched it all the way through, I'm just like, 
God, I had fun with that. That was, it was just it was just fun. It is know? so fun. And it's like, you know, horror need not necessarily just be make you need not necessarily just make you feel deeply uncomfortable and everything. It can have levity. It can be interesting. It can be a bunch of different things. And it's just it feels like so much horror nowadays kind of forgets that. And so they kind of end up just having trying to have these like, you know, and we've we've talked about it before, you know, a lot of 80s and 70s and 90s movies have the ability to be be a bit more real feeling, whereas more modern movies get a bit too into their own drama. And it's just it that's very on display here. <laughs> it's like, OK, this one has scenes of Tim Curry just like in a library with a noisemaker, just like fucking having the time of his life. <laughs> Whipping it and around just, like a maniac. Yeah. And then we just have all these like horrible dramatic moments in 2017 and 19. I'm just like, God, give this shit a break. <laughs> it's like, my God. Uh, to that to that end, though, uh, not to drag it back into discussion territory, we are near the end right. of the show, but that did remind me something I didn't touch on. Uh, something that I do think that uh, Chapter 1 and 2 handles better is uh, the bully character specifically. Yeah, it actually makes him feel uh, like a real human being. Henry Bowers, yeah, he's like a stereotypical punk bully in the miniseries, but he's like a genuine because a lot of times Psychopath. you yeah, a lot of times you watch these movies and it's like so the reason this guy's a bully is probably because he's insecure, or he wants to have friends, right? And that's usually what the reason is, but you know, in, in chapter 1 and 2, genuine, I wouldn't say motivation because he's a, he's a madman, but you know, yeah. there's reason to what he's doing and he's he's not just like some punk bully he's and he's actually psychotic as opposed to yeah. the miniseries just sort of paints him as he's a punk bully he pit, he picks on people he's mean and he sort of goes crazy because you know he he sees the deadlights whereas chapter yeah. one and two yeah he sees the deadlights but he also had a lot of underlying mental issues beforehand as well i think that was done yeah. pretty well um, but that's it. Yeah, I gotta agree. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> I, I did like that they actually, were actually able to do something with his, with his character. Yes, made it more interesting for me. It, he he still just kind of like exited the plot like it was nothing, but still. Exactly, he doesn't do a whole lot in either. <laughs> yeah, no. At the end of the day, it's like if you have to have him, you may as well make him at least decent. But you know, right? Exactly. Um. So yeah, I guess that's that's everything we we sort of gave our thoughts on both and. We, we came to a conclusion, as we are one to do in this uh, program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please, you know, this is our conclusion. Um, please grade us appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> please, uh, no, it should God. be on a curve. It should not be on a curve compared to other podcasts, please. Uh, yes. <laughs> sources, sources are not in MLA format, or they're in most cases at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need these sources. I just, I just fly by. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We're not scholars. What, what the fuck are we do, doing with sources? Uh, but if we were to cite sources, <laughs> uh, what sort of sources would you cite? That was lazy. Oh my god, that was really what. What kind of stuff would I recommend? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, tough call because, like, again, I don't know a whole lot of horror and everything. I still, you know, heartily recommend the horror podcast Magnus Archives if you're that's something you're into. Um, but as far as horror, I think the only thing I can think of, at least with, um, cosmic horror that they were trying to go for with the 2017 and 19, there's a called the void. It's a very, 
um i think it's a fully independent film i think it's canadian or something i don't know it, it's it's it isn't american from what i can remember um but it's a very creepy like it's like a lot of body horror kind of thing going on it's like a, like almost entirely all practical effects and everything with only like some minor stuff splashed in and it's just this it's hard to describe it and it's not exactly necessarily the most pleasant watch but if you're in it for like pure cosmic horror that is the one to go for mm, excellent yeah um beyond that i don't really know uh fucking rocky horror picture show <laughs> some more tim curry <laughs> Yeah, that's all I can think of, really. <laughs> some 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 command and conquer red alert. Then I will recommend Congo. <laughs> <laughs> uh but no, seriously. Um sort of going off the vibes of the miniseries. There were a lot of Stephen King miniseries, guys. Trust me if you don't know. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh if you aren't familiar with the miniseries version of The Shining, because Stephen King was not happy with stanley kubrick's version uh check that out and that can be a potential future episode um oh god yeah it's a bit of a mess didn't even think about that <laughs> uh but I, I feel like that one might be a bit too easy <laughs> it might be but who knows we'll see yeah um, maybe a mini-sode <laughs> uh uh going off of the mini-series though if i had to recommend one of them because as a whole they're pretty bad um, oh yeah. If you want something that I think is almost on par with some campy fun as it, the Langoliers has a lot of really funny moments. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Scary the little girl. It's all about people that get trapped outside of time. If you're not familiar with it, uh, based on yeah. an airplane flight and they're worried about being devoured by these creatures that eat, eat up time. Um, yeah. It has a lot of fun moments, a lot of overacting from a few individuals. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful, so check that out. Um, and then just going to the directors really quick, because I like to touch on them every now and then. Uh, the director of the miniseries, Tommy Lee Wallace. Uh, I've mentioned this movie on the podcast before, but I never actually fully recommended it. Uh, Tommy Lee Wallace also directed Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Which, thankfully, you know, it was uh, shit upon, I guess, at the time, because <laughs> it didn't have Michael Myers in it. It was kind of looked at as the black sheep of the franchise. People are warming up to it now. It has actual horror in it, which is nice. Uh, some body horror, too. So it, it, that's well done. I would go check that out. Um, cool. And the director of Chapter 1 and 2 of It... Andy Muschietti, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. He's directed things in the past. I'm not too familiar with any of it, but you should keep an eye on him for three reasons. He is slated to do direct the upcoming Flash movie, which hopefully will be oh. like Aquaman in that it is actually a good DC movie. <laughs> um, yeah. He is slated to direct the live-action adaptation of Attack on Titan, the anime which a lot of people like for some reason. Frankly, I don't care much for it, but there you go. Yeah, that weird thing with apparently like some serious like Nazi undertones. Oh, lots of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. potential future episode for the podcast, he is slated to direct, direct an upcoming Netflix remake of The Howling, 
an 80s uh 80s werewolf horror movie so okay well he's got a lot on his plate (laughs) let's keep this guy in our crosshairs (laughs) exactly oh but that's all i have for that so all righty shall we get into some of the socials i believe we shall so go ahead and check us out on any of the podcast podcasting platforms you listen to. We're on iTunes, uh, Google Play, or Google Music, whatever they're calling it now, Spreaker, Podbay, Stitcher, all of the good ones, and some of the bad ones, probably. I put us on a lot of things. Uh, but our host, <laughs> as always, is Anchor.fm. Check us out on Anchor. Uh, our email is theyremadeit at gmail.com. Be sure to send us an email, recommendations, things you like, things you dislike about the show, anything that you want to just talk about. I'm it'll it'll definitely be read <laughs> um and go ahead and follow us at it remade on twitter for updates about the podcast and at they remade it on instagram for updates about the podcast and on both of them i've been consistently and i mean daily posting uh full circle things and movie posters for possible future topics of the show and uh recommendations that we've made on the show in the past uh yeah people have been enjoying them we got a big spike in followers on instagram the other day i was like oh my god Uh, um lots of horror pages because i've been doing horror movie posters uh yeah so so welcome to it people (laughs) so there you go and thus concludes another horror month you know obviously we'll be releasing after the end of it but still exactly and halloween is only what 368 days away (laughs) <laughs> yeah considering the one considering the one this year is going to be a little weird yeah probably but hey we'll have halloween yeah. month coming up soon again well not soon but next year and i already we'll see what you picks do i already know what i'm picking uh um, well, all right working ahead <laughs> i don't even know where my when my next meal's coming so <laughs> uh mine's coming right after this recording session <laughs> Mine should, but whether or not it will happen, who's to say? <laughs> I might just fall asleep on the way to the kitchen. <laughs> I might go to the kitchen, take stuff out, per- t- b- begin to prepare it, completely get bored, and just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> not even the a- roaches will want you now. <laughs> ADHD. Everything's better in HD. Uh, <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> and that's the true horror of it all, folks. Being an adult with mildly inconvenient mental illness <laughs> with that little snapshot into my personal life i think that's i think we've about said all we could yeah pretty much so as always i am your host Stuart, and i'm your host jacob and hope you all have slash had a very good happy halloween stay safe out there Ooh, i mean bye
Mike Hammond. If you see... Excuse me, sir. Do you have Prince Albert in a can? You do? Well, you better let the poor guy out. Mike Hanlon said I had to go. Said I had to get cleaned up. Tell him. Tell him. Tell him I'll see him tonight. Get out!